0: Well, Jody and I were driving in Alexandria uh, not long ago, and we went past this um, establishment—I I won't name it—that seemed to always be under construction, and and now the construction has simply stopped. Uh, we've all seen those building projects that seem to stop. It leaves you wondering: uh, Will it ever be completed, or you know what happened to the business and so forth? Now, my guess is that we could all probably look around our homes. This morning and find a few projects that have been left unfinished. I know I have a few. So that is one way we use the term unfinished. But there's also another way we use it. And and I've shared this concept before, but it is the way we talk about the use of a sourdough bread starter. My nephew was telling me a few months ago about his incredible sourdough bread starter. And if he's listening in Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm still expecting you to send me some in some way. Sourdough bread fascinates me. It may be slightly evident. According to that great academic resource, Google, the oldest starter may be 122 years old. Now, that is another way we use the expression unfinished. The starter has not yet completed its mission. It has more loaves to make, and it can be shared without being depleted. It just keeps generating more. Well, as you've heard, today is what has traditionally been called Pentecost Sunday. It is the day when Christians around the world celebrate the giving of the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Holy Trinity, co-equal to God the Father and God the Son. Today what I'd like for us to do is consider how the Holy Spirit is at work in the life of the church, never being finished, always moving, always working, so that the love of Jesus is shared all around the world. Now let's just do a gut check for a moment. Don't we all want to be used by God for his work in the world? Don't we all want to be used by God to bring his hope and healing to others? Don't we all want to be swept up and captured by the Spirit of God so that we can not only make a difference in our city and in our world, but also to live in the flow of the power of God and the joy of Jesus? My guess is we would all nod our heads and say yes. Our big idea for this morning is simply this. The Holy Spirit is at work in the life of the church around the world and the life of Christians to present Jesus to the nations. I mean, that is the bottom line work of the Spirit that we see in the church. As Peter told the crowd, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at a key condition of the work of the Holy Spirit. I want us to look at the dual nature of the Holy Spirit's work. And I'd like for us to look at an interesting subtext to the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, normally, When I read this passage, I am drawn immediately to the drama. The Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost, and there's a rushing wind, there are tongues of fire, and all the disciples can can proclaim the wonders of God in various different languages, and the bewildered crowd is wondering, what in the world is going on? Well, as compelling as those aspects of this passage are, I think we would be remiss to rush by verse 1. Let me read it again. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, you may be saying, that seems just like a bit of direction in the story, like, go there, or no, go there. Not much to see, but wait. Why were they all together in one place? If you remember back to last week, they were all in one place, Because Jesus told them to. Jesus told them to stay in Jerusalem and to hang together and wait for power from on high. Now, I know literally that Luke is telling us that they were all together in one room. But had they not listened to Jesus when he gave them the shutdown order, they may have scattered far and wide. We don't know for sure. But what we do know for sure is that they were obedient to do what Jesus told them to do. They stayed. They waited. They didn't scatter. They obeyed. The Holy Spirit of God is powerful. As we said last week, it is the Holy Spirit that enables and empowers the Christian and the church for ministry in the world. The Holy Spirit animates it and gifts Christians to do the work of God. And yet, a crucial condition to the work of of the Holy Spirit is an obedient and yielded heart in the life of the disciple. God has given us the freedom to obey or disobey. God has given us the freedom to yield or to uh, be stubborn when it comes to the power and the work of the Spirit. In Ephesians 4, Paul writes, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day, of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Sin in the life of the Christian hinders the Spirit from being what the Spirit wants to be in your life. When the Spirit is not grieved, when we are living in that beautiful long obedience in the same direction, the Spirit works to transform us to be like Jesus. Paul also writes, do not quench the Spirit, hold on to what is good, and to reject every kind of evil. One writer wrote, grieving the Spirit refers to our inward journey of being the people that God wants us to be. Quenching the Spirit refers to our outward journey. It is what our actions diminish what the Holy Spirit wants to do through us. And here's the beautiful truth about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the Christian and the life of the church. It is the Holy Spirit that brings conviction. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts us and gives us what we need to yield and obey. We simply need to listen and allow the Holy Spirit to have control. The disciples did what Jesus told them to do. They surrendered in obedience to his desires, And the Holy Spirit worked in and through them in a powerful way. This truth, like so many, falls right into the center of our heart, doesn't it? And right into the center of the heart of the church as we seek to do His work in the world. A gentle question for each one of us is, are we available for the Spirit to use us? Are we yielded, hands and heart open, to all that the Spirit wants to do All that the Spirit wants to bring in in your life and my life and to do in your life and my life. As a church, are we believing that God wants to use us in a powerful way to bring hope and healing to our community and to our world? Are we willing to wait and be still when the Spirit tells us to wait and to be still? Are we willing to stand up when the Spirit says stand up? Are we willing to go when the Spirit says to go? Are we willing to be pruned to let go of things that are no longer being used by the Spirit? Are we willing to be prepared for even greater spiritual growth and missional growth in the future? I hope we are. Let me just offer this. There are sins that we commit that keep the Spirit from having full control of our lives. These are fairly easy for each one of us to list if we went to that honest, quiet place before the Lord. And then there are sins of omission, omission things that we fail to do that keep us from living and serving in spiritual power. The issues facing our country this week are not new. Issues of systemic racism have been pandemic for people of color for over 400 years. What is systemic racism? I I can't exhaust the list of of offenses right now, but just let me offer a few. It is the reality of an unjust justice system. It is the reality of an unjust economic policies that have kept African Americans and other people of color down for years. It's unjust lending and housing practices. It's voter suppression. It's health care discrepancies. It's food deserts. Do you know in the town that we lived in uh, before we moved here we lived out in the suburbs and in the suburbs you couldn't turn around without walking into a grocery store yet just a few miles away in a mostly African American community you could not find fresh food anywhere Well you might say well the folks that live in that community can just take a cab or the bus to go out to the grocery store Well First of all, who wants to slap a bunch of groceries onto a bus or into a cab? Second, the bus and the cab cost money. Number three, guess where the city bus lines stopped? On the edge of the suburbs, so that those people can't go to the suburbs. That's systemic racism at every turn. Thanks be to God. Some nonprofits started setting up grocery store pop ups so that people in that community could buy fresh food. Here's what I'm trying to get at the sin of omission, the sin of not doing anything about injustice will keep the church from serving in the full power of the Holy Spirit. Let me say it again the sin of omission, the sin of not doing anything about injustice will keep the church from serving in the full power of the Holy Spirit. What does this mean for us? We need to pray, yes, and we are going to pray and to mourn and to lament the state of injustice in our country. We need to listen and we need to learn what we can do, what God is calling us to do as a congregation, and we need to act. This is one reason we've joined together with the Church of South Washington, and we need to do more. And so we see here that we have to find ourselves in that yielded and obedient place for the Holy Spirit to have full reign and to work full power in our lives. The second, I want us to turn to the dual nature of the Spirit's work, because you We really have to see this in this passage. The Spirit came at Pentecost, and the text says, They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, let me hit the pause button just for a moment. Typically, when we use this term tongues, it's used two ways in Scripture. One way is used to describe an an ecstatic prayer language that is often used in praise and worship by some. Paul refers to this in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. The second usage is the way it is used in this passage, and it is used to refer to the ability to speak other languages that people can understand. And this is what was going on on the day of Pentecost, the disciples were given the supernatural ability to speak other languages so that people could understand the gospel. Now, some have wanted to diminish the gift of tongues, and others have tried to overemphasize the gift of tongues in Scripture. And the questions usually are, first of all, are tongues a sign of the Spirit's work? Well, yes, they are. Are they the only sign of the Spirit's work? No, we have a whole list of of the fruit of the Spirit that is evidence of the way that the Spirit works in someone's life, are they necessary as evidence of the Spirit in someone's life? No. You can be completely filled with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues. Typically, in our stream of church life, we have not been a people that focus on the ecstatic speech experience However, we have always supported missionaries who have to learn other languages to share the gospel. And I believe that God gives them the supernatural ability to learn other languages. And lastly, I don't ever want to be in a position where I am saying that God does not do this or God does not do that. Well, back to our text. We need to notice the dual manner in which the Spirit works. Uh, Alan, if you will, put that next slide up and underline that word each. Notice it says they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each, each of them. Pentecost ushered in a new era in which individuals could have a personal, unique experience with God. Each person there was filled with the Spirit. Each person there ministered and shared Jesus. Each person there declared the wonders of God. The Holy Spirit works in the life of the individual to draw you nearer to God, to make you to be more like Jesus, and to empower and equip you for the mission of Jesus in the world. And this is your spiritual journey. When you stand before the Lord, you will stand before the Lord by yourself, on your own. This is about a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and your personal responsibility to minister in the name of Jesus in the power of the Spirit. After the day of Pentecost, we see that the people of God are no longer dependent on pastors and prophets and priests to mediate ministry for them. Each person has the power of the Spirit, and each person can move out and serve and minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet, Yet, the Spirit works in an incredibly unifying and corporate way. When Peter stood up to preach, you'll notice in the text, Luke tells us he stood up with the eleven, the other disciples, individually empowered and unified in their mission. Let me say that again. They were individually empowered by the Spirit, and yet they were unified in their mission. As Paul wrote, Just as a body, the one, has many parts, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. Let me give you an analogy. A member of an orchestra has to learn how to play her individual part. She is individually gifted and responsible to play that part. But she can't play the entire orchestral score by herself. Her abilities are joined with the gifts and the abilities of others. It does not mean her role is diminished or her part is not important. It was designed and composed to work with others. And that is the concept here. The Spirit is given to individuals all around the world, but we come together with one common Lord and one common purpose. We come together not as white, black, or brown, not as male or female, not as rich or poor, but we come together under the lordship of King Jesus. And what is so incredible about the Holy Spirit is that we are one. We are one and we come together for one common purpose and one common mission, but... We do not lose what is distinct and what is precious and what is important about our individual cultural heritage. One scholar wrote, is there a power? Is there a power in the world today that can unify the divided nations of earth, get this, without subjugating them? Is there a power that can unify the divided nations of the earth without first putting them down because every other system first puts them down. Every other system first makes them lose their precious distinctives and cultural identity. And this writer says, absolutely. It is precisely that sort of unity which the Holy Spirit brings. The Holy Spirit created a new kind of social identity. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Our world needs this work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church in a fresh way. I mentioned in fill around town that we can be like windmills catching and channeling the power of God. May it be that we catch and we channel at such a time as this the unifying power of the Holy Spirit. A key condition For the work of the Spirit is to be yielded, obedient, and surrendered. A key idea is the dual nature, working individually and corporately as one. Let me just finish with an interesting subtext of the Holy Spirit's work. There were two reactions to the work of the Spirit at Pentecost. Praise God after Peter preached to them. Many called on the name of the Lord and they were saved. As we noted last week, we are here today because the work of the Spirit went global. And we know that God is going to continue to bring about redemption and salvation to the world through Jesus. And yet, there is the reality of rejection. The scene would be comical if it didn't foretell a more serious rejection later. The people hear the disciples proclaiming the wonders of God, and some say they're acting drunk. Now, if you don't think God has a sense of humor, Peter defends them by standing up and saying, no, they're not drunk, it's only nine in the morning. I'm really glad it wasn't five in the afternoon. Peter may have lost his argument. I mean, I don't know. And these disciples would face more serious danger and rejection later as the message of Jesus went global. Most of the disciples were martyred and the church experienced great persecution. Even still, We see that the Holy Spirit worked in this rejection and in this persecution. The church was scattered, scattered. It met in houses like you're doing now rather than in public. And yet it continued to grow exponentially. When we minister in the power of the Spirit, when we raise high the name of Jesus, we will face ridicule and rejection. Think about it for a moment. We have the best news in the world. Jesus loves you. And Jesus died for you. But this best news often comes as first a dose of bad news. You have a sin problem that you can't repair yourself. And some people will reject that message. I have never understood. I've never understood how Christians who seem surprised, at Christians who seem surprised by some level of rejection. Jesus promised us we would be, and we see it all throughout the New Testament. But through it all, the Spirit is with us and will give us all that we need. Even when we're ridiculed and rejected, the Spirit will give us all that we need to be faithful and to persevere. Perhaps a more pointed question for us is if we're not experienced rejection, Why? Is it because we're not presenting Jesus and his message to the world? Re- rejection should be expected, which is why we so need the fellowship and the unity in the, of the Spirit in the life of the church. The unfinished church. Not an abandoned project, but a church that is yielded to the power and the work of the Holy Spirit, and is being used by God to bring his mission of redemption through Jesus to the world. One day, one day in the fullness of God's time, God's mission will be completed. Until then, may it be said of us that we were all in, sleeves rolled up, sharing Jesus boldly in the power of the Spirit. Amen and amen. Let us pray together. Holy Spirit, we open our lives and our hearts in a fresh, new way to you this day. Do with us as you will. Work in us as you bring us to bear the image of Jesus in the world. Holy Spirit, convict us of our sins of commission, those acts we commit that grieve you and keep you from doing in our lives what you desire to do to make us in the image of Jesus. Holy Spirit, hear our prayers of confession of sins that we omit. Of action we do not take on your behalf, on the behalf of King Jesus in the world. Hear our prayers of confession. Holy Spirit, we know that we need your power. We know that we need you flowing through us, channeling the power of God through us to even be agents of love and mercy and justice in our city, in our world. Holy Spirit, as we have gathered together this day in light of the events of the past few weeks, Lord, that represent events for the past centuries, we ask that you would have your way. Have your way in us. Do with us what you will to bring about justice and peace and reconciliation. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in our lives. May we always be open to that which you desire to do. In the name of Jesus, our Redeemer, our Savior, the one that you came to this world to exalt and to lift up. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us this morning. I hope that you will make plans to join us on Wednesday night at 7 for our time of prayer. Until then, God bless and have a blessed week. And go in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, in the love of God the Father, and in the grace of Jesus our Lord. Amen.